seat and take your Bible and turn with me one last time to the book of Philippians. Well, maybe I shouldn't say one last time. We will probably sooner or later be in Philippians again, but for right now, uh, one last time. Again, these are a couple of verses I would have ordinarily probably never tackled and wasn't actually planning on preaching on them this week. Uh, and God just got a hold of me again and said, no, I told you to preach through the book of Philippians, and that's all the way to the final amen. So, uh, here we go. Um, and as I studied them, I'll be honest with you, uh, when I first started digging in, I thought, what have I done? Uh, you know, and, and, but uh, I kept... Um, I kept studying and kept looking. Lord, show me something here that um, that, um, is, that that is relevant for us uh, today. And uh, as uh, I kept looking uh, and kept, God finally um, got through to me, and um, I said it was there all the time. I, I just I, I'm kind of dense and slow, so uh, God finally got it through to my head. I think uh, the message uh, for this morning uh, that. Um, uh, that we need to hear, and uh, the church as a whole uh, needs to hear, not just uh, Poplar Grove, but Christians. Uh, and that is, uh, as he finishes up, uh, I want to speak to you this morning on, on this topic, on the fundamentals uh, of fellowship. The fundamentals uh, of fellowship. Uh, fellowship is a word uh, that we talk about a good bit in the church. Uh, most churches even build a building and call it the fellowship building. Uh, but uh, what does it mean? Uh, let's be honest, over the years, uh, churches have, and Christians have not always uh, been known uh, for their fellowship. Uh, but uh, just to be brutally honest, uh, many times uh, Christians and churches are, uh, are more known for their fighting than their fellowship. Uh, that uh, that's just uh, just reality. Uh, it may not be pleasant. It may not be popular, uh, but uh, it is uh, the the truth. Uh, there's a phrase we don't hear very much anymore. Uh, we used to hear the phrase when people would talk about the church. It would be such and such missionary Baptist church. Uh, but you don't hear that very much uh, anymore. Uh, but I was in a meeting uh, a good many years back now, uh, and somebody said something about missionary Baptist church, um, and me not having many filters as much as many of you know, uh, before I could, you know, it was one of those things, that, you know, it was one of them things that was bounced around my head, and I don't say it, but I said it anyway. I was missionary what do you mean missionary? We're not missionaries. We can't get along. Uh, you know, that's the reason we have so, so many churches around uh, that uh, we've gotten a fight and went and started a, uh, another church. There's a place in Tennessee uh, that I know of, uh, and I don't remember the exact name of the church, so I'm going to make it up uh, just for the conversation here. On one side of the street, uh, you have, for example, uh, Temple Baptist Church. Um, and they split, and the group went right across the street and built another church, and the sign out front of it says, the New Temple Baptist Church. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's how missionary uh, sometimes that, uh, that we are. Uh, but uh, fellowship, what does it look like? What are two 
fundamental principles uh, that uh, we need to work on and develop uh, in, uh, in, the, in our life uh, to breed, uh, to cultivate fellowship. Fellowship was very important uh, to Paul. We know, uh, we've talked about this, that uh, the book of Philippians is a book uh, about joy uh, and how to have joy. Uh, but one of the other popular themes and main themes uh, of the book is the word fellowship. Uh, and in four short verses, or four short chapters, excuse me, uh, Paul talks about uh, fellowship uh, five different times. Uh, he says uh, in chapter 1, verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel uh, from, this, from the first day uh, until now. He uh, goes on uh, in that same section uh, just a couple of verses later uh, and says, even uh, as it is meet for me to think of you, uh, this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bounds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers. Uh, and the word that is translated there, partakers, uh, is uh, the same word. Uh, it means you are all fellowshippers. Uh, I'm not sure that's a perfect English word, but uh, you are all fellowshippers uh, of grace. Uh, is uh, that statement uh, just a few verses later? In the opening verse uh, of chapter 2, Paul says, uh, If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, uh, if any bowels of mercy, uh, and so he continues uh, in chapter 3 uh, with uh, another verse, that I may know him uh, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship uh, of his sufferings. Uh, and so, again, Paul is just uh, throughout the letter uh, emphasizing uh, fellowship in, in various ways. And uh, then uh, in uh, chapter 4, uh, we just uh, came through uh, this chapter in verse 14, another verse. Uh, he says, Notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Again, uh, the same root word, the same base word there, you fellowshiped uh, in my affliction. You shared uh, in uh, my uh, affliction. Uh, and so he repeatedly uh, talks about uh, this idea uh, of fellowship. So what exactly uh, does that word mean? Uh, when, when Paul is talking about fellowship, uh, what, uh, what, what is uh, the definition? I, I don't know. Um, to be honest with you, uh, fellowship is a word that we talk, use in the church, use it to describe a building, uh, but I don't know that we really uh, have, have a, a working definition uh, of what it means to, uh, to have fellowship. But one uh, Bible dictionary, uh, Baker, uh, says this. He says that fellowship is the very essence of the Christian life. Fellowship is the very essence of the Christian life. And, and I, I thought about that, and I, and I really uh, like that definition, that fellowship is the essence of 
the Christian life. We, uh, you notice that in those uh, five different places where Paul talks about uh, fellowship, someplace he says, you fellowship in my affliction, you share in my affliction. Here uh, in our passage today, uh, I think he's talking more about uh, enjoy uh, and happiness, but uh, the very essence of Christian life uh, that we bear each other's burdens, that we uh, share each other's joys, that we uh, partner uh, together. Uh, and I think of uh, the, the wedding vows uh, in the old uh, Broadman minister's manual. It was used uh, at, uh, at my wedding. I've used it in uh, many of yours. And uh, there's a statement in that uh, ceremony uh, that says, uh, talks about when, uh, when a couple is together uh, in marriage, that sorrows are halved and joys are doubled. Uh, and that's the idea that I think uh, is uh, the very essence uh, of Christianity, uh, that when we go through uh, difficult times, when we go through uh, trials, tribulations, burdens, when we grieve, uh, that not only do we have uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in us, but we also uh, enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, through other believers who uh, come together, uh, joy uh, together uh, when we have Good times is the idea uh, that he uh, gives us. It's that fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. That's the very essence uh, of Christianity, uh, the very essence of, uh, of who we are. And so uh, as we look at this uh, and think about this this morning, again, um, it, it's a passage that uh, probably ordinarily I would have uh, never uh, chosen to preach from, uh, but as I, again, as I studied and I looked at it, I, I realized uh, as God began to speak to me from this passage that uh, that fellowship uh, is probably uh, the greatest tool we have uh, to expand uh, the kingdom of God, because uh, you know uh, that people today <laughs> are lonely uh, they're hurting, they're discouraged, uh, they're uh, looking for friendship, they're looking for uh, a shoulder to cry on, they're looking for someone uh, to laugh with, uh, and uh, fellowship uh, is desperately uh, needed. Uh, I have a uh, long story, but uh, without all the details that, uh, that, that are irrelevant, but uh, I have a, I've signed up into a thing uh, where there's this company who is uh, just pumping millions of dollars uh, into the internet and TV ads and billboards, uh, and they, the people can go uh, to a website uh, from there, it takes them to a spot where then they can submit uh, their prayer request, and uh, if they're in this area, uh, they come to me. And so I'm able to reach out and contact them, either uh, phone call or email or text or whatever. And, and over the last uh, month, probably uh, received uh, at least uh, 30 of those types of, uh, of requests. And I would say, I'd have to go back through them, uh, but I would say out of memory, 99% of them, 
some way, some fashion, somebody hurting, somebody lonely, somebody's relationships falling apart, uh, that they need fellowship. They, they need a place uh, where they can just have a, a, a shoulder to crown, somebody to listen. Fellowship uh, is, I think, uh, you know, we can have all types of programs. We can have all types of ministries. We can have uh, the best music. We can have the best preaching. We can build the newest facilities. But, folks, if as Christians we are cold and indifferent towards others, we'll fail. We'll fail. So I want you to see, uh, as we look in this passage, uh, the importance uh, of fellowship. Again, uh, as we go into this passage, I want to remind you uh, what John wrote. We just, uh, before Philippians came through the Gospel of John, and remind you there that uh, the Gospel of John tells us, uh, by this shall all men know. Uh, that you are my disciples. He says, because you have love one to another. We cannot underestimate. I know this is not um, revival preaching. This isn't great necessarily evangelistic sermon, uh, but it's one I, I think, again, is extremely important uh, in the church uh, today. It's interesting to me that we live in an age where connectivity is more available um, than it's ever been. Internet, telephone, telegraph, tell a neighbor. You know, somehow, you can get the message out. Uh, you, know, you, you can get the message. You know, we have more communication tools than we've ever had, and yet people are more lonely than they've ever been. They're hurting more than they've ever been. I want you to see two things here in this passage. Very simple. Some fundamentals of Christian fellowship. Notice, first of all, what Paul says. We have this greeting considered. And, and, and I'll be honest with you again, as I, as I read this, uh, I, I read over it and uh, just continued to kind of look at it. And, and it took a while before it was kind of like God just kind of whacked me in the back of the head and said, it's right there in front of you. Notice what he says. He says, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. It took a while for that truth to sink into my hard head. But after a while, it finally became real to me uh, what Paul was saying. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Every saint. Not some, not part not the ones you get along with, not the ones you choose, but Paul says, greet every saint. Paul has spent a lot of time in his letters emphasizing equality. Paul has spent a lot of time, for example, he chastised uh, the Corinthian church very strongly, very harshly uh, over uh, their uh, practice of the Lord's Supper, uh, how the rich were excluding the poor. And, and, and Paul came down on them extremely hard. Go back and read uh, the, the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and you'll see that Paul, uh, I mean, he probably as strongly as any other, uh, I mean, 
more than uh, some of the false teachers and those kind of things, Paul laid in to the Corinthian church because they were uh, divvying up into cliques and into little groups and, and excluding some people. But Paul says here, greet every saint. He was writing to the Philippians, reminding them of the importance uh, of that simple statement of greeting every saint. Then he goes on and says this. Look what he says back to them. He says, the brethren that are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly those of Caesar's household. Now I want you to, again, that, that, that's, you know, that's probably, you know, you can go around and, and, and some of you uh, perhaps have what you might call your life verse or your favorite verse. And I would be willing to wager, I'm not a betting man, but this would be, I think, pretty much a sure thing, that we could go out and we could spend the next week, next month, if you want to, asking people, what is your favorite verse in the Bible? What is your favorite passage? What is your life verse? And I'd be willing to wager that you won't have a single person say to you that their favorite verse, the verse that just makes their heart go pitter-patter, that gets them up in the morning, is Paul saying, greet every saint, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's house. They're not writing songs based on that verse. You know, they're, you know, they're just not. But it, as you study that and, and think about it, as I have in, in the last few weeks, and thought about, again, the importance of what Paul just said. Paul said, you greet every saint. How many of you know what the Greek word all means? Thank you. Greet every saint. Then he says, all the saints here greet you. Guess what? Same word. Every believer here greets you. Especially those of Caesar's household. Now, here's where I think the rubber really hits the road in this verse. Those of Caesar's household. Now, there's a lot of debate, but I think most will agree. When he says Caesar's household, he's not talking about Caesar's family. He's not talking about Caesar's kids. What he's talking about, as you remember, Paul uh, was on, uh, on arrest, was arrested. He was in jail. And soon he had an ever-changing guard. At one point, Paul was handcuffed uh, between two Roman guards. And... We have no explanation, really, for how the gospel of Jesus Christ expanded across Rome other than Paul witnessing, sharing the gospel with those soldiers who were chained to him, leading them to Christ, them going home, sharing Christ with their family, and it expanding from there. We have no real explanation other than that. We don't have any real proof of any kind of real evangelistic uh, movement other than Paul himself sharing the gospel with Roman guards. And those Roman guards going out and sharing the gospel. Now, here, here's why I think that matters so much. When Paul says, especially 
But the, the members of Caesar's household greet you. These would have been those Roman soldiers and their families who had come to know Christ because of their contact with Paul. Now, in all likelihood, the Roman, those in Caesar's household, did not know the Philippian believers. There's a possibility that some of them maybe did. Maybe at some time they'd been stationed in Philippi. But I think it's safe to say that the majority of the Roman soldiers that Paul was handcuffed to and that Paul witnessed to and led to the Lord that he's speaking of here when he says Caesar's household had never met the believers in Philippi. So it wasn't like they were bosom buddies. It wasn't like they were friends. It wasn't like they knew each other. But they did have one thing in common. What was it? What was the one thing that those saints, those chiefly of the household of Caesar and the saints back in Philippi, what was the one thing they had in common? Jesus. Jesus. They didn't know each other. They were from different cultures. They were from they were at different status levels in the world. They were from different places, but they had one thing in common, and that was Jesus. What is Paul trying to teach us about the importance here, the fundamental of fellowship? As we go about our life, as we interact, we're going to meet very few people who have the same likes, dislikes, background, characteristics that we do. But, praise God, if we have Jesus in common, we are brothers and sisters, joint heirs, the Bible says. We don't have to all like the same food. We don't have to all like the same music. We don't all have to like the same church. We don't even have to like each other. Find it. You can't find a place anywhere where the Bible commands me to like you. Thank God. It's not there. I don't have to like you, but you are a, you and I are joint heirs. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I do have to love you, and I do have to fellowship with you and share with you your burdens and your joys. See, Paul says here, consider this greeting. And it's really a masterful statement to think about what he said. All the saints, greet all the saints there and all the saints here. Even those, especially those who are of Caesar's household. You do know that most people in that time hated the Roman guards, right? Paul says, you know what? They greet you. Because in Jesus, they're your brother. They're your sisters. Listen, there's, Paul, when he, when he makes this statement, Paul has taken 
from, again, from the Roman guard, the elite, Caesar's household, all the way down to the poverty level of the believers in Philippi and said to them, you greet each other. There is to be no distinction. There is to be no uh, favoritism. Doesn't matter how much power, how much education. Doesn't matter uh, how they dress, their handicap, their skin color, their nationality, their their language. Doesn't matter. Paul says, "You greet every saint. You love every saint." Now. Paul was just setting them up, I think, for the second half of what he's going to say. Because I know that there are those who are listening to my words this morning going, I don't know if I can do that. You don't know some of the people I know. Well, here's where we get to the real, I think, meat of what Paul was going to say. Look in this next verse. Paul tells us then, the grace that is commended. He says, after telling him to greet every saint, love everybody, then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace. What is grace? I would, I think it would be fun to go out and ask church people, what's grace? And I, I, you know what I think the number one answer I'd get to that question, what's grace? Oh, it's amazing. I think that would be the number one answer I would get to that question. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, but what, what, what's amazing about it? What is grace? Well, grace, again, it's, you, know, you know, we sing about it, we talk about it, we preach about it, we, you know, grace. I mean, it's just, you know, that, that's pretty much like air and water uh, to the Christian. Well, here's one definition, I, I, the definition I want to work with this morning of grace. Grace is giving. Grace is giving. Be careful. I'm doing you like Paul. I'm setting you up for the second half. Grace is giving, but it's giving to the people who don't deserve the gift. Grace is giving, but it is giving to the people who don't deserve the gift. Isn't that what you got when you got grace from God? You got a gift that you didn't deserve. You got a gift that you didn't deserve. Grace is a gift. It's a gift. It is giving. But it's giving to those that don't deserve the gift. So let's think about what Paul is saying. Greet everybody. Regardless of what they look like, regardless of where they're from, regardless of their background, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their economic position, regardless of their social position, you greet them all. (coughs) How am I going to do that? You're going to do that because you have been a recipient of grace, and because you have been given grace, you want to show grace. 
To whom much has been given, much shall be required. Because I have been given grace, because I have been given a gift that I don't deserve, I want to give a gift that I don't that they don't deserve. So what are you talking about? Well, let's just think that through for a minute. Is anybody in here? Don't raise your hand. Don't um, don't 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 speak up. Just keep it twixt you and the Lord. Okay. Ever been had had a disagreement with somebody and y'all you were mad with somebody and you thought well. I'm not going to forgive them. They hadn't asked me for forgiveness. They hadn't done anything to be forgiven. I know. I just went from preaching to meddling. We're talking about the fellowship of believers. You know what you do when there is an offense between two believers? You give a gift that is not deserved, the gift of forgiveness. That's how you greet every saint, is we live practicing, sharing the same grace that God has given us, the same gift that God has given us. As a verb, this word means to give generously. The definition of the word grace actually includes the phrase forgiving a debt or a wrong. The fund, that, that, that it is impossible for a group of believers, a group of people, to practice and to have fellowship unless on occasion they practice grace. Because sooner or later, somebody is going to cross your wires. Sooner or later, somebody is going to offend you. Somebody is going to sing a song you don't like. Somebody is going to preach a sermon you don't like. Somebody, oh, heaven help us, is going to sit in your chair. Somebody is going to park in your parking place. Somebody is going to forget to put your prayer request in the bulletin. Somebody is going to forget your you reserved the building for a party. It's going to get, somebody's going to forget it. Something like that is going to happen when you gather people together. And if we're going to have fellowship, and let, let me step over here for just a moment. I'm not saying these words this morning because anybody that I know of needs to hear it just happens to be the next two verses, three verses in the book of Philippians. That, that's the joy of preaching through a book for a pastor. That's what's next. If you don't like it, take it up with the author. But to have fellowship, we have got to be willing to extend grace. 
to one another. We've got to be willing to forgive. We have got to be willing to, uh, to uh, be generous. We have got to be willing to be kind. We have got to be willing as believers to be everything that this world is, is not. We don't live in a kind world anymore. We, 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 live, we don't live in a kind world. We live in the kind of world that will shoot you over your tennis shoes. But Paul says, I want you to operate in the grace that God gave you. In the generosity that God shares with you, I want you to share that with others. You don't need to raise your hand, but everyone in this room knows that sooner or later, if you put this many people together in a, in a place, sooner or later, somebody is going to get their feelings hurt. Sooner or later, somebody isn't going to like something. Paul says, of every saint, we operate in grace. We operate in grace. He wanted the Philippians to have the very best. He wanted them to experience the grace of God and to share the grace of God. He wanted them to show others what it was like to live in and experience that grace. Listen. This is a, uh, again, the, the longer you read this passage, for me anyway, the clearer and the simpler it came into view. Greet every saint. How do I do that? By operating with the same grace that God has shown me. You know what it says in the Bible? It says He loved me when I was unlovely. It says, while I was still a sinner, He loved me. That's grace. That's the grace that He showed me. That's the grace that He gave me. And nobody has done more to not deserve grace than me. Yet, Jesus Christ loved me, died on the cross, bore my sins, and forgave me. That's grace. Oh, they hadn't, they hadn't asked me to forgive them. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, how many of you had asked Him for forgiveness? I'm looking around. I don't think anybody here is quite old enough to have done that. He died. He paid the price for your sins 
way before you ever asked Him for any kind of forgiveness. While you were yet sinners. While you were yet sinners. Here's the punchline. The invitation. Your pastor's heart. There are a lot of things that I want us to do right that I want us to do as a church family. But the one I want us to always get right is fellowship. I'm not, again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm, I want you to think for a minute. Because I've had this happen. I've been places to preach before, and I've walked in the door of the church and as soon as I walked in, I was like, Ooh, something ain't right. You know, something ain't right. Didn't know what it was, but I knew it. You could feel it. You could, you could, you could watch the people move around. You could watch them and see how they interacted with each other. I'll just go up here and sit down. I speak to the wrong person, the other side going to be mad, so I'm just going to go sit down. Ever been there? Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter how good we sing. It doesn't matter what we sing. It doesn't matter how good I can preach or can't preach. It doesn't. People come into this place. They should sense the fellowship the grace of God flowing between God's people. It should be obvious that the grace of God is filling us and spilling on the others. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for the church. Folks, the church has got a horrible reputation in most communities. Go into most, in particular in small communities, go into most small communities and pull into the local convenience store or service station and ask them, say, do you know where such and such church is? Yeah. Can you tell me anything about it? And you'd be surprised at the number of times you hear horror stories, what they'll tell you about that church. You might look up and, and run into one of the deacons or something who tells you, but most likely you'll hear a horror story. The church needs to fellowship. We need to greet every saint in grace. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Grace, giving, but it's giving to people who don't deserve the gift. This morning I want to urge you, plead with you, that you would pray.
pray that God would begin in you and it would spill out into every person that makes this church up. That most of all, we'd be known for our fellowship. That we love and we love each other. That we share grace one with another. Pray for the church as a whole. That all churches would show grace. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You can't show grace because you've never experienced grace. Grace is giving a gift that they don't deserve. Christ died on a cross for you. You don't know him as your Savior today. Would you come? Let me show you from God's Word how you can know Christ personally. Church, let's plead with God. Let's beg God to always protect our fellowship. Satan's doing everything he can. Satan is doing, using every weapon he can to destroy the fellowship of God's church because it's our greatest witness that we love one another. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, somewhat of a different passage and a different sermon. Oh, what a challenge this morning that your people would greet every saint, not just those in their circle, not just those they agree with, but every saint, that we would love one another. God, we'd show each other grace. God, when others make mistakes, when others fail, when others offend, God, we'd show them the same grace that you've shown us, that you show us every day. God, build our fellowship that the world will see. Again, we claim your word, your promise, that they'll know we love you by how we love each other. Have your will here this morning. We'll give glory for it all, which in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.
abortion clinic uh, on the trailer for the prayer walk. Uh, and so uh, we'd love to have you go along. Uh, if you've never been before, especially, uh, we'd love to have you go uh, and pray with us. Again, we are slowly but surely uh, seeing, uh, seeing the walls come back. Uh, we're slowly but surely we're seeing court decisions. We're seeing uh, various things happen. Again, one of uh, the abortion clinics in Charlotte has, uh, has shut down about, about a year ago. Uh, and slowly but surely, uh, God is changing. Uh, he saves people, uh, staff members who work in the abortion clinic who now come out locally and walk and pray uh, with us. Uh, and so encourage you. Uh, I'm going to put uh, this little piece, this piece of paper back there on the table um, and this fine red ink here that I think I got from Melissa. Um, but um, if you would like to go, plan on going, can you put your name on it so we plan how, how many are going so we know uh, and so she be back by lunch and uh, again, Put your name there, and even if you're not sure, but you think you might, and so you have an idea uh, of uh, what we're doing. Um, and so uh, remember that we leave here uh, right around eight o'clock uh, and head over. And so again, they've pretty much eliminated the walking um, because of the property that God has uh, blessed uh, the Love Life Group with. Uh, just to let you know, Love Life uh, too has basically it's. Almost, it's like technically worldwide now. There's Love Life groups in New York, there's Love Life groups in Los Angeles, there's Love Life groups in Greensboro and Raleigh. Um, there, there's Love Life groups sprung up all over the place, uh, praying uh, for not only an end to abortion, uh, but that God would um, save the doctors and the staff and change their hearts. Um, and so let me encourage you, even if you can't go next week, um, that around 9 30, Next Saturday morning. Wherever you are, you stop and you pray. Um, but, um, wherever you are, take a moment and pray uh, for God to uh, change hearts. Uh, pray for the young ladies who are on the way. Um, again, you do that not about 9.30 every morning, but that's about the time they start. Pray for the young ladies that are on the way uh, there, that their heart would be changed. Again, it's miraculous. I shared with you the other day with a young lady uh, who was going in by herself. And somebody out on the street yelled, if he won't walk with you, we will. And she turned around and uh, came out, got an ultrasound, saw a baby and saved life. And now I love life. These folks are walking along with her to help her through this time. And, and again, remember, before you throw these young ladies under the bus, many of these young ladies, they, they are very young. They come from very poor home environments. They don't think they have a choice. That's what they've been told. Teenagers today, that's all they've ever heard is abortion. They don't think they've got a choice. They don't think they have an option. They don't know that there's people willing to adopt, that there's people willing to walk along with them and help them keep their baby. And to pray for these young ladies uh, that God would open their eyes and that they would see that there is uh, an option. All right, let's bow as we dismiss this morning. Arch, would you dismiss this morning? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today and all your blessings on us. Thank you that we just heard our fellowship and greeting every saint, Lord, with grace. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to be good stewards of your grace in all its forms. 
as we go back a well in these two meetings, we pray as we are able to that you will meet those needs and use the opportunity to spread the gospel about you and your love and of your mercy and grace to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, you be with each and every one of us as we go out into the world. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Choir. Anyone who would like to be in the choir?